In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to tell you why I resist watching that TV game show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? It's because I am very sensitive to being made to seem stupider, stupider than I am, or stupid in any way, to tell the truth. I'm a college professor, as many of you know, and um, I pride myself on a certain kind of intelligence. But also, I was in my own youth a gifted child. I'm not too uh, modest to say. And that, that TV game show where gifted children are, are invited to, to uh, show what they know, to show their smarts, for us to admire and support and encourage them, there's just this one feature of, uh, of media entertainment that I shy away from, and that's this, this kind of uh, unpleasant experience of being shown to be uh, not with it. So I've avoided this show, and as a matter of fact, the show could be so completely delightful and contrary to my expectations. I don't know. Perhaps you'll tell me, but I'm not going to risk having my my ego wounded, even in that little way, just by watching a TV game show. Why is this on my mind for this second Sunday after Christmas? It's because of our gospel story where our Lord Jesus Christ is the boy Christ, the 12-year-old, discoursing with the teachers in the Jerusalem temple, showing off what a gifted child he is, a boy genius. And uh, it's a lovely connection with our collect appointed for this second Sunday after, after Christmas, where we pray that God may enable us to share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity. That humility in which our Lord became first the Christ child, the infant, and now this boy, this teenager at the age of 12. Um, that's the picture we get both in our gospel and it's the virtue, the theme that's named in our collect, humbling himself to share our humanity. Well, uh, what I like about it is that he's completely not like my image of the uh, an enfant terrible, the the, the uh, overwhelming child who shows off and uh, and humiliates and intimidates the adults around him, because shortly after we see him talking with the teachers in the temple, he's returning home with his parents, and the gospel says being obedient to them, becoming a cooperative teenager and not a terrible know-it-all and show-off. And so he fulfills for me that attraction to giftedness and someone to immolate and imitate, as the Collect invites us to do, 
that we might share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity. Well, I'm also mindful uh, around these themes of the story of Groucho Marx when he made that famous line, I refuse to belong to a club that would have me as a member. And uh, there's an interesting story behind that clever remark of his, his refusal to belong to a club that would have him as a member. It's often regarded as a humorous way of putting himself down, of self-deprecation, getting us all to laugh at the way he wittily puts himself down. But the backstory is that he's actually um, expressing a very clever way of affirming his superiority to the members of that club. The actual story was that he was invited to join the Friars Club of his day, Friars Club, uh, interesting name. And um, he thought as an entertainer that he would be, it was, it was especially noted for having literary or theatrical types, literary and theatrical types, people who knew Shakespeare, people who were frequent at the stage as actors or, or, um, or viewers. And he was so hopeful that he would have this kind of delightful, entertaining conversations with people at the club. And instead, when he got there, he discovered that they were boring, pedantic, self-absorbed, uh, egotistical, and even insulting in various ways. And so he tried to figure out a way he could extricate himself from members, membership in this club, and he wrote a letter of resignation. Um, and then he was asked by the officers of the club, please reconsider why, what's, going, what's wrong, you know, why, why, why are you resigning your membership? And that's when he came up with the line, oh, it's just that I refuse to belong to a club that would have me as one of its members as if to say, I'm not worthy of you, when in fact, what was behind that comment was, you are not worthy of me. Well, this story comes to mind because I'm struck by our Lord's humility in sharing our humanity, that he did not have that attitude, precisely did not have that attitude. It's conceivable that in his state of knowing, of awareness, of, of mindfulness, in his grandeur as a messianic person, that he might have said something like, I refuse to belong to a species that would not have me as a member. That's the way in which he's described in the Gospel of John as coming unto his own and his own receiving him not. Or he might even have said, I refuse to belong to a species that would have me as its member. Reflecting on the ways in which we are so vicious to one another that are welcoming him to be part of our persecution, oppression, and mistreatment of one another would be so repugnant to him. 
On the contrary, his character is nothing like that, is it? It's the character of one who lived among us and loved us in all the ways that we are human, even in our failings, encouraging us to become more than ourselves in that fallen state. And then, and that's why we have the rest of our collect appointed for today, where we say, Oh God, you wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature. That's the Lord we love, who embraced our dignity and restored it in all the places it was fallen. Well, a final illustration. My own college, my own alma mater, had a particular kind of distinctiveness that I, that I treasure to this day. The faculty called themselves tutors, not teachers or instructors or professors. And they were quite conscientious in maintaining that term of, of address. I'm your tutor, or when the tutors do this or that. And the pedagogy behind that principle was that they wanted to affirm ways in which they were peers to gifted students whom they had admitted because of special virtues of of mind and character. And they wanted to suggest ways in which they were simply our older peers Tutors who had students of of the material who had simply been studying longer and had more experiences with the texts and with the and with the uh, the teachings uh, of, of the course of the curriculum, the readings, and so this is highlighted for me by an experience I had in class one day in a math class where we had been assigned a particularly complicated theorem to, to come to class and be able to demonstrate. And uh, it was clear as the class began that none of us were really capable of doing the math. And it was remarkably clear, after a certain point as well, that our tutor was not capable of doing the math. We were all simply asking questions in our confusion until the one student in the class whom we all regarded as the brightest among us began to respond to our questions and confusions in ways that indicated that he understood the theorem and could demonstrate it. And I will never forget, this this is something I treasure as a college professor myself, I'll never forget the tutor turning to him and inviting him to take charge of the class, to demonstrate the theorem before the class, and to lead us all for the remainder of the class. It's that virtue of humility on the one hand and the nobility of a gifted student being honored and valued and invited. It's the way in which our faculty were regarded themselves as elder students and treated us as emerging peers. Well, 
church family, Christian friends, that's the virtue we are invited to buy, to, to enter into uh, through the event of our Lord's incarnation. He shares our human nature, humbles himself to do so, in order that we might share his divine nature, that our giftedness might be ennobled and affirmed and expanded. He regards us as his emergent peers, and he is our elder brother who has gone on before us even into suffering and death, crucifixion and resurrection, suffering ways in which we suffer and triumphing over them in the cross and in the resurrection. So the whole spectrum is from incarnation to all of that, inviting us to be incarnate Christ-like persons ourselves. I love that Eastern Orthodox term theosis, the ways in which we are invited to become engodded, godlike in our own right as gifted ones, following our elder brother as emergent peers of his divine nature. In the name of God, creator, defender, and elder brother, amen.